What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. Today, we are joined by Adam Deacon, the uh, host for Business from the Bass Boat here on the Serious Angler Network. It is quite a pleasure to have you because we are going to be talking something completely different in two realms of the world, but there's one common denominator, and that is clear water. So I'm pretty excited about this, dude. Dude, me too. I, I I don't know what it is. I think it is growing up like out west and fishing clearwater fisheries, but I feel so much more comfortable in a clearwater situation. Uh, and I that's just me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I will go into the mud and go flipping and throw a square bill and get after it in, in Oklahoma. But like, man, I feel good about being able to see fish, being able to just have fish see my bait from far away something about clear water dude i just love it is it safe to say home is where the heart is when it comes to clear water that that is that is fair to say <laughs> yeah I'm with so you. like up so difference in geography if everybody doesn't know for the new listeners adam is out west colorado like that four corners atmosphere a mm. lot of deep desert clear lakes and then I am up here in the Northeast in New York where we have glacier lakes that are big, natural, no reservoirs, hundreds of feet deep. But I think the biggest difference between our lakes is the fact that I have grass yep. and you might have like little stumps and just a ton of rock. Yep. And then, I mean, we, and we have grass too. Like, I mean, you look at like, and, and I'm, I'm talking about the West in general here, especially the Southwest deserty style lakes. There are grass there. Like Havasu has a great grass population. It's different though. It doesn't seem to be as thick as like I think of in my grass fishing experience is like on a Rayburn in Texas. Yeah. It gets really nice hydrilla, thick, nasty stuff that's just loads, loads big bass. But there is, and they're almost like different uh, species of uh, grass that doesn't get nearly as dense, but there are situations where you can go rip a trap and they, and it, so grass grows big fish, dude. We see it time and time again. Is it more like cabbagey type grass, like stringy grass out yes, there? It's for sure stringier than like a yeah. high, thick hydrilla, you know. I mean, you'll have mass foil or coontail up here in the northeast. Yeah. And what what's interesting about where I live too in Colorado, sometimes we'll go east and whatever reason, Nebraska dude has these these lakes that are smaller that have, I mean, it is like fish in Florida. I don't know what it is, but they get milfoiled up. I mean, or like fishing up North, they get nasty matted and it is just a blast. And, uh, but anyways, yeah, the desert lakes, it's a thinner grass, less mat situations, but those fish still set up, um, super shallow could be deep, but there's something about the clear water, man. I love seeing fish. Yeah. It's, um, there's nothing like slow rolling a double willow, double willow spinner bait right like and when we say slow rolling we're throwing it on like an eight to one or a seven to two with 15 pound test and like a moderate fast retrieve which is kind of slow for a willow blade but also you see a giant smallmouth come from like 200 feet away and just smoke it and <laughs> there's just nothing better than that and it's it's kind of it's kind of surreal because you'll get like that overcast day right and you got like the silver gold blade tandem it's just reflecting all this light and all of a sudden it's like it goes black. a mile away yeah, just yeah. black you're like oh there he is <laughs> i think i think i'm gonna take a, a hot overall take on clear water um you and maybe this is why you see like 
high level tournament elite series guys and these guys that become specialists in a flipping or a dirty water situation i'm going to say it right now there's more baits that apply in clear water you can get away with doing so many more things whereas when it's muddy you have to be throwing something that's going to make noise in some manner whether it's a big spinner bait having vibration whether that be um a square bill that's knocking around and banging off yeah. stuff, whether you're flipping a jig that's dark. I mean, you know, that I, there's so like some of these clear water fisheries, I feel like you can do anything. You can go yeah. really bright to really finesse. I mean, I just, I love it. Yeah. And I, and I was going to say that, like when you get in the muddy water, you have two colors, black and blue uh-huh. or some variation of black, red, black, blue, or white, white and yeah. chartreuse. I like yep. your, and it's complete opposite to the spectrum, but white shows up so well in dirty water. But guess where else white plays really well? Incredibly, super well. clear water. I don't like, get it, man, but I love like, it. <laughs> and, uh, and a big thing too, like you might think bright is bad when it comes to clear water, especially with smallmouth. It doesn't matter. Chartreuse, and I mean, I'm going to give all the credit here to Frank Scalish on BTL, and I learned something because we're like, why do smallmouth eat? chartreuse so well in gin clear water and i think he cited somewhere where they did like scientific research on it and they found smallmouth sea chartreuse as a pale white so Uh, all it does uh, is it turns it turns it into a more realistic shad pattern because it's two-tone so the light reflects refracts off it differently in the water and it looks Mm. to make it almost looks more natural to a small mouth and just straight white. Wow. And I was like, that makes so much sense, so much sense because on one of our finger lakes, I got on like a kind of like a false shad spawn deal. It's where the alloys kind of push up shallow for no reason in the summer. Yep. And, um, that. So that happens uh, on Lake McConaughey here in yeah. Nebraska. They'll just and, push up. They're just like, what? Like why? But they're not doing anything. The smallies Snakes are just rush them exploding on them but you can't get bit on all white but as soon as you go to white and chartreuse they crush it interesting yeah it's like what the freaking heck like this makes no sense but i'm gonna roll with it because i just caught 70 bass today so like dang dude okay complete tangent here but like that uh what i have i've always been Okay, smallmouth, I like throwing a walking bait a lot. I like yeah. throwing a popper. Like I like those two situations, and they are both extremely effective. Both can be the difference maker. For whatever reason, on those alwive lakes where there's big bait, big six, seven-inch alwives, even situations when I think of like way out west where you see smallmouth spitting up baby striper, where they're eating big baby striper in the Colorado River chain system, a whopper plopper, something that is just massive coming over their head. Dude, I don't know what it is, but those small mouth get so mad and explode on that thing. And I think of normally as a whopper plopper as a large mouth bait, but I have seen some. It's like a depth charge. Like, have you ever seen the World War II depth charge videos where they're doing like training and they're just dropping them off the back of like cruisers? No, but I know. I, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just explodes. All, dude. Yeah, like, um, there's like a three day window every year in Buffalo that yeah. the last couple of years I've missed, but uh, I found oh, it no. five years ago, pre-fishing like betting smallies in like three foot of water, but I, the water was a little off. 
So I was burning like the 110 size Whopper Flopper as fast as I can because I just wanted them to show themselves so I could waypoint it without getting on top of them. And I kid you not, I think I caught like 24 and a half pounds that day pre-fishing because I'm burning a Whopper Plopper just to get them to show themselves and they would just, they would miss it and chase it down and eat it like three feet from the boat as it would come across their bed. That's my oh no, and, and I like throwing <laughs> I like throwing the big plopper like the one thirty size yeah or the you know the bird dude that's my favorite part about it and you know how smallmouth are just have such bad aim but it's like whoom and you see him jump completely out of the water wham and you see him jump again and yeah. finally like you're like oh I got him that time like uh, <laughs> yeah. and it's at the boat of course yeah. you're like gosh (laughs) yeah they would just absolutely smoke it so like before we get too far into the rabbit hole i want to know what your whopper plopper setup is because i want to see if we throw identical interesting yeah so again i i rarely ever throw the small one so that's that's the hard part for me is i'm throwing a big one almost all the time i think that uh in a clear water situation especially they seem to just eat it and um the big one for me, I'm throwing it on. Actually, it's a uh, custom rod from a friend, but it's a 711. It was made for throwing swim baits, um, kind of like a light, like it almost like an A rig and lighter glide bait rod. Yeah. And so it is um, got a pretty moderate uh, action to it, but it's got a good backbone. It, I would I would consider it like a heavy 711, the moderate action. Yeah. So it's got a lot of flex in it. I like the 711 because I can absolutely bomb it way out there. And that's what I'm normally doing when I'm throwing a whopper plopper. I'm pulling like a I'm trying to think of someone like a Chris Lane or a no. A, yeah, it was Chris Lane on Toledo Bend, just like covering water, making super long casts and just going. And that's what I'm doing when I'm when I'm doing something like that. So I like having the ability to throw a really, really long cast. And I'm either doing it on 50 pound braid. Or I'm doing it on like a 17 pound mono, and it just is. If I get too excited sometimes when it's a top water situation, I backlash that big bait on braid, and I get so annoyed with it. So I kind of I, I don't know. I, I haven't quite. I used to only throw mono on it, and then I went to only throwing braid on it. And then this last year, I was in a situation where there was just fish busting all around. I was getting way too excited to zip that thing out there, and that big rod would just and lock up on me. With oh, that ow. Yeah. Yeah, that's not fun. So I'm I'm similar. Like I don't throw it on that great giant of a rod, but I'll throw it on like a seven six. Like I think that's medium, the perfect thing. Seven like, and a half. Yeah. Like a medium heavy, but it has to be parabolic because it's got those trebles. So it has to be a little bit softer in the mid, but I want it an extra fast tip on it. So it has to be a very yeah. specific rod to launch. And yeah. I'm actually interested in because you know, Elf Angler has the clutch that can do like 500 different things where they're like barely like throwing big spinner baits on it with yeah. 20 pound test. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that might be the perfect whopper plopper rod. So I'm going to mess around with that, that when that like bike it. gets going. But I'm, I'm on like a seven to one gear ratio. But where I'm, I'm different is I'm cranking it too because I'm throwing it for smallmouth over mm-hmm. gin clear water and just fishing it as fast as i can my line is barely on the water i actually throw like 20 pound fluoro really so you don't yeah. even need necessarily to have it on because on I, I always have the rod tip up yep. because when i eat it i can just sweep yep because you don't yep. really need to hit them with the boom right so that yep. line is barely in the water as it's chugging with that long rod 
Yep. And with smallmouth, you hardly ever need to pause. It's almost better if you like speed up for a half a second and then slow back down. <laughs> yeah, dude, exactly. And I'm in the same way. Like I keep the rod tip up because it's it's instant. You don't need to yeah. crack them and waste that difference in time. You just sweep right into them. So. So it sounds like that would be the general consensus. One of our top baits for clear water is probably the Whopper Plopper. Dude, I, I think I would just categorize it for me anyway. Top water in general, dude. Yeah. Like clear water, especially smallmouth, but largemouth too. When And I'm talking, when I'm thinking through clear water, I'm thinking like clear. Like we're talking maybe 12 foot, 15 foot visibility and up sometimes yeah. 20 foot visibility, sometimes 25 yeah. foot visibility. Like I'm talking like when it is clear, clear, that is, uh, that is, they can see a top water, a big scoop, a popper from a long ways away. Sorry. I'm making so much noise here, but I'm just grabbing a couple different like top water choices that I thoroughly enjoy throwing when it comes to like walking baits mm-hmm. and i showed you these off line like people might get mad at this one because i have one but it's a jackal bow stick it's a spook type bait but nasty it is you can never beat just a bone super spook the yep. saltwater series i gotta change the hooks on it. i haven't done it yet because oh. stock hooks are trash but this baby casts a mile and smallies can't stand it but my two favorite Top okay. water walking baits is the 115 gunfish and like a ghost minnow. Mm-hmm. When it's bright, sunny, slick, calm, ghost minnow, you can't beat it. Ghost minnow is an awesome color from Lucky Crap. But if it's like, as we're talking offline here, we should have saved it for the show. If you get that perfect day and the average tournament angler will know what we're talking about here is you have like sun, cloud mix, light variable wind not like blowing 15 but maybe like a 7 to 10 and you come in with like a chartreuse shad type like vixen Mm -hmm. style bait it's almost Mm -hmm. unbeatable for giant large mouth and small mouth they just can't resist it you could throw it all freaking day long that's i think that's a big misconception too is that there are times when you can throw it all day long yeah and i mean if you, depending on what side of the lake you're on with the sun, if you find a shade line, they're going to eat top water. Like mm-hmm. it could be three o'clock in the afternoon. You have shade, they'll eat it. Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you 100%. And um, I have a hard time in a top water situation for whatever reason. I am pretty strict on ripping a white one man like a bone a chartreuse shad like you just showed even in a sunny situation i think so much of the time and talking to the guys at cast um when you and both both you and i are mutual friends with those guys like it's all about silhouette like that that fish is just looking at something going over their head and it it color at some point doesn't matter as much yeah. and and i'm excited to mess around with the black and some of these yeah. other things i love throwing a black frog but anyways like a white top water even when it's sunny works Ooh, that's black nice. black low popper this thing has caught so many dang fish on it it is ridiculous and it's just a knockoff popper like no name like you can tell by the lip how many docks i mm-hmm. bounced it off of and yeah that's a fun one i love what i love something i love about poppers i don't know what it is I don't care about, I mean, okay, there's some fancy brands out there that are really high class, but man, some of my favorite poppers are something like, I think one of them that I have, I found at a pond when I was a kid, found at a pond in like high school 
and at put a new feather treble hook on it and it is money the paint is half gone and i don't know i have so much confidence in that popper like if it's a popper situation i'm getting bit on that thing yeah 100 percent. especially if there's like a blue like baby bluegill around and they're popping on like grass edges and stuff you can never beat a popper the biggest thing I look for, and I don't know how it is out west where you are, if I wake up in the morning and I'm rolling to lake in this tournament, and in the summertime you can look up at the light, there's a lot of bugs at the light, and they're landing on the water, like instantly, like I'll take off my walking bait and go to a popper. If there's zero wind, because that means the bluegill are going to be active and they're eating all those little bugs that are falling on the surface as the sunlight comes out. So a popper is going to generally fish better for me on those days. But if we have wind and there's not as many bugs around, I'm like, I'm throwing a walking bait because the fish are probably going to be more active. I think that's fair. We're willing to chase. Yeah, I think that's 100% fair. And I think to me, a walking bait imitates more of like a shad uh, cruising across the top water or getting busted on. Um, popper can as well, but I agree. I mean, and, and don't forget too. I mean, think about all the stuff down South, even here we'll have like hatches, man, of like a mayfly hatch or something. And you know what? There's bluegill eating those things, but guess what? There's three and four pounders also eating those little bugs. 100%. I mean, and here too, like on some of these real deserty lakes. And then also when you start getting towards Nebraska and the other situations like dragonflies, man, they get, there's a lake here. They get such a dragonfly bite. It is not even funny. You sit there and you get up in the heavy cover and you wait until you hear one come out of the water. And it's like you turn over and there's like a three or four pounder completely out of the water doing this. And you're like, what was he doing when I first came to this lake? And then he'd land flat back down. Like they're chasing freaking dragonflies. And you would, and you'd, you'd stick him in the live well and they'd spit up 30 of them. That's and they're literally wild. just eating, dude. It is the coolest bite ever. And it's a definitely a Western thing, but like you can go frog and you can you can go into those situations and just have something over their head. And if it's clear enough, go throw a popper because they're gonna swim. So like that's the other misconception with poppers, right? Is like you can never go too small with mm-hmm. a popper. Like this is just your standard ego size. Yeah. Oh, and largemouth, like if they're on that bug bite, like mm-hmm. Just a baby bass popper with some chrome on the belly, a chrome white belly. And like the only time you need color on the top of a popper is if there's a low light conditions and you're struggling to see it. Like, yeah. And that's the biggest thing. It's such a visual bite. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes visual. it's just, just a suck down. I mean, it's just yep. nothing. And then sometimes it's a cannonball. That's the biggest fish. Like on walking baits, I find the biggest fish are the ones who explode it. Mm-hmm. But on a popper, the biggest ones just like suck it in from like three feet below it and just. Same oh, with the frog. Same yeah. with the frog to me. My biggest, my, my, and I, dude, that is one of my favorite things ever. And we're getting way, we're just going straight into the top water section of the yeah. show. <laughs> it's supposed to be that clear water. All this stuff can't apply. But frog fishing, man, like my biggest frog fish, the times where I, I've had two fish over seven pounds on the frog. And both times they were just, you know what I mean? I, I had to be paying attention to the frog and it was just a suck in and I cracked them and I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like that was not like, cause when it's like a, the three pounder size of a frog bite and they come out of the water. And, oh my, just, 
hit it as hard as they absolutely can, knock the absolute crap out of it, and and then those big ones, man, they just. And I almost bet it's because the proportion, the size, and the cover that they're coming through to eat it. Like a three pounder has to use so much more inertia and more momentum to bust through that weed mat to get it to where a big one just kind of like moseys its way through and it's like, oh, meal. Yeah. Well, and, and it's just, I think too, they have so much more pressure sucking in. Mm-hmm. Like they can like, like they can like pull a mat out of the water or even if it's just open water, I mean, they can, they have so much power to suck something in when they have that big of a mouth. It's like a Dyson vacuum. Dude, it is. Just, <laughs> wow, just watch it disappear. <laughs> like, uh, like some of my favorite videos are the people that like throw the bait fish in the water and like the big oh, nonstop at and they just come out. Like you can see them coming like 10 feet away. Cause they're just pulling so much water before they engulf it so much water yeah it's just oh it's so cool well let's we'll get back into uh clear water techniques but i do want to show these things are a a new find of mine here lately these cut waters they are cocktails in a can but like not like a like a like they are real cocktails they're not just like a um sparkling soda water kind of situation but this is their margarita one and that sucker's 12.5%. It's got all real ingredients. It's got two shots of tequila in it and uh, triple sec, lime. I mean, it is, uh, I don't know. As far as a canned cocktail gets, um, it tastes like a regular margarita. Like if I had this over ice right now, I wouldn't tell the difference. So Delicious. I'm going to go pick some they up they tomorrow. They don't sponsor us at all, but I'm just saying – Check them out, and they got this cool little agave plant logo on there. Yeah, you Anyways. you made me want to go get some. So that's right. Yeah, go get, go, get, go get after it. <laughs> nice. I'm thirsty. Thanks. <laughs> so, but um, all right. So we've well, we've covered the entire universe of top water at this point. What's next? Like, what is your next favorite clear water bait? Hmm. Man, for me there's so many things that play like we kind of talked about in the beginning, but I think I try to, and have been on this mindset here lately after, and this is partly just being out at clear Lake. Clear Lake is a very pressured body of water. It's not that big. A lot of people fishing at a lot of tournaments. And to me, the two things that play that I watched play are either super, super finesse and natural or big, big, big and showy and like your typical normal sized baits seem to not do as well in mm-hmm. those kind of pressure situations. They can, don't get me wrong. But like to me, I kind of have taken that into thinking through of my clear water baits. And it's normally something that is supernatural, a you know, really natural colored Senko, a drop shot bait, a worm that is real natural colored or it's like man go through a glide bait go through a big swim bait something visual that that you can draw some strikes for and i think there's a place in both those but to me that's the two main basis things in a clear water situation Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's a great point like out west right with the drop shot you have colors that are huge out there like a morning dawn or like uh, we're starting to see that everywhere like yeah uh, but you're right like it is it I don't know what it is about that dang bait, but like you will get bit on it more times than not. And it maybe it's the same thing like Scalish was saying with chartreuse. Maybe largemouth there see that purple pink difference and think it's 
perfect because the biggest fish get caught on that thing. You know, or like a margarita mutilator is another like incredible, like one of my f- absolute favorite clear water drop shot baits is a six inch robo worm margarita mutilator two, which has the chartreuse tip. And it just crushes fish, just blows their doors off when mm-hmm. they're on that bite. It's not a bite that's always there, but I always have it ready to go because I'm not going to get a lot of bites on it. But when I do, it's a good one. Like I'll, if I'm fishing a school of fish on a grass edge and they're eating like a watermelon red or a green pumpkin, when that school turns off, I'll switch to that MM2 and just let it soak there. And it's always the biggest fish. Always. Dude, the MM2 is nasty. I'm yeah. with you. That's cool that it, that you translate that stuff. That's what's cool about this show is seeing that you guys are completely different place. And that is such a, such a tried and true color here. Yeah. It's uh it's kind of silly to think about because, like, back in the day, the person who taught me how to fast fish is like, green pumpkin, green pumpkin, green pumpkin, black. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> which we're going to get into the whole black thing here shortly. Yeah. But, um, like, once I got really invested into drop shotting for largemouth because that was, like, my favorite way to fish for the longest time, just getting into tournament fishing. How can I catch as many fish doing as many different in as many different scenarios as possible. And the one answer was always a drop shot. If you wanted to throw it underneath the dock with like a one sixteenth ounce weight and soak it there, or you could flip grass with it on a spinning rod with a half ounce weight and go to a little bit beefier, beefier of a rod or fish it in wide open water and catch smallmouth on it. It's so versatile. I think there was a stretch for like five years when I was first learning how to bass fish tournaments that I would literally show up with like 10 rods and use uh-huh. one all day at drop shot. Drop shot. Yeah. Gets bites, dude. The bite getter. Yeah. And there's certain baits that work better than others. Everybody's on a flatworm craze. Incredible smallmouth bait. Don't get me wrong. But there are like tried and true finesse worms that just absolutely excel for largemouth in clear water. And robo worm, just your standard straight tail worm, is almost impossible to beat yeah i i'd agree with that especially i love it in like a texas rig situation if you're around a little bit of cover Mm -hmm. um another worm that comes to mind one of my clear water specialties and i feel like i'm giving a little bit of a secret out here but uh the jackal flick shake worm um in a green pumpkin is what it is it is stupid natural and it is awesome in a clear water situation even non-clear water i gave it on i think but it's it's a lighter green pumpkin it's almost translucent with just just uh a little bit of black fleck in it um but man that thing just absolutely gets bit either wacky rigged on a drop shot either thrown as a flick shake on a shaky head i think we just saw jesse wiggins win on like the ozark dang thing um or i even texas rig it on a drop shot too all all of them work i think that's some sneaky juice like and, and the flick shake worm reminds me of like a zoom finesse worm but slender and yeah. just a tad longer mm-hmm. it's yeah. a good bait it is good it bait. is great bait. and then even the six eight one instead of the five the five eight is probably what i throw most of the time and i'll go down to the four eight if it's really finessey really clear water but the six eight in a little bit dirtier situations or even just on a lake that has bigger fish, it's almost one of those kind of magnum shaky head. Mm. Very, very common thing right now down south. I mean, you look at 
a Rayburn, even on Pickwick, all these guys throwing like the Magnum trick worm. Very similar. It's a stout, thick worm. Okay, yeah, can't beat it. Fun. And I'll be like blatantly honest here. I've never caught a fish on a shaky head because I don't see a there's a I don't believe there's a place for it in my arsenal. I I know some people love it for like ultra clear water. Mm-hmm. I if it's gin clear, I find a Ned rig gets more bites. Yep. Or just a standard drop shot and going to like a four or six inch leader as opposed to like a 12 to 18 inch dropper. You can fish a drop shot literally six inches, four inches above your hook and above your weight, your hook above your weight and get just as many bites. That's yeah, dude. And and, well, and that's interesting. You say that I don't throw a shaky head all that much. I know how effective it is. I have done it down South because it is so effective, but I'm curious what, when are you on the drop shot going to that shorter leader versus that longer leader? Um, Usually when I will do it is on a cloudy day. Okay. When they're it, closer to the bottom. The reason why is one, they're closer to the bottom and small mouth and large mouth when they're in gin clear water are more sight feeders. But when you have less light getting down to 20 foot of water where we're catching a lot of these finesse fish, I find if I can get it closer to the bottom, they find it better. I'm not saying they won't come up and eat it on a 12 or 16 inch leader. Sure. But the one day I accidentally tied it shorter, like complete accident. I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll make the cast. And I caught one. And I'm like, oh, I haven't gotten bit in like three hours. And they were on a drop shot yesterday, real high when it was sunny. But now today it's cloudy. So I went shorter. When I went shorter, I started catching them like one after another. So now if I know it's going to be cloudy, I fish a drop shot much lower to the bottom, closer to the bottom than if it was sunny. Mm. Wow, that's some juice. I feel like I spend the majority of my time drop shotting, gosh, probably 18 inches to Mm -hmm. maybe 24 inches, like pretty pretty good distance up off the bottom. Um, And that's just, I just, what I do, unless I'm either throwing it really shallow around docks and I don't want to have to deal with so much leader or I'm bed fishing. Yeah. Yeah. Try it. Yeah. I'll have to give it a shot, especially on cloudy days. Yeah, when they're uh, just a little less active and they're laying right on the bottom of a shorter leader, you can't beat it. Yeah, yeah. One thing I think we should talk about, Andrew, and I didn't think about this until now, clear water, um, I think something that comes into play outside of the technique because I think at the end of the day, bass have a pretty small brain and there are times when you have to really finesse down, but like, man... They'll come up and eat a big top water. They'll eat a glide bait in 25 foot visibility. They'll chase the spinnerbait 300 feet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Spinnerbait bite in clear water is just incredible. But um, that's a, that's why I think I'm such a visual fisherman that I love clear water because I love watching them eat it. Whether it's a top water or not, like I love watching that black smallmouth come streaking across the bay to come yeah. and hit something, you know? And I think that's why I guess I, I focus more why i think i'm such a good topwater fisherman something i i, I focus on it because i'm watching it so closely when mm-hmm. there's something coming but anyways i think we should talk about too the importance of boat positioning and being quiet really looking in a clear water situation because i think that a lot of that comes into play it, it's almost like hunting to me especially yeah. around the spawn which is we're at here and up by you right now is like 
I'm about to go fish a spawn tournament this weekend. It is going to be very clear. 20 right now, I don't know. It's probably 20, 25-foot visibility in this Ooh. desert. And it is, I mean, you have got to be sneaky. Yeah, and the biggest thing is, like, if there is no breeze, is figuring out which way your shadow is casting to protect Huge. that from the fish. So that is one. But if you have wind, is always be going into the wind. Because mm-hmm. technically the fish, if they're not on beds, will face nose into the wind based on current direction, especially in a natural lake with no current. So if you sneak up on them as opposed to coming at them, you have less of a chance of spooking them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like I like if, that. If you have a main lake point, try to get on the downwind side of the point casting into the wind. Mm-hmm. You're going to get far more bites and you're going to spook far less fish, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think too, um, the other, the other aspect to me, I, gosh, there's times, man, where I just, I just am sick of dealing with the wind and I'll go with it and be just fine. I don't know what it is. Sometimes the bank, uh, um, just, just going down the bank with the wind, I can make even a longer cast, but that is a massive part to me. Clear water. You need to be making a really long cast. You want that fish to not know your presence, um, with the boat. How many times do you have a fish follow, especially smallmouth, follow a jerk bait all the way back, see the boat turn back? Um, um, that, that is just something to me. You need to make a really long cast. I like your thought process of the sun. Where's the sun? Where's the shade? Where's your shade casting? Especially around bed fishing when you're dealing with these super clear things. Another huge factor to me, low light conditions play a massive role in all of our lakes especially as we get into the post-spawn here. After fish have been up shallow, been pressured, and it's that time frame when there's it's the summer, it's getting hot. I mean, these desert lakes getting really hot. Those fish aren't that active during the day. So, mm-hmm. like, you need to make hay in the sunshine, and not actually in the sunshine, but... <laughs> in the low light. Yeah. Low light, you need to go catch them in that first hour. You need to make a good top water bite happen, a good reaction bite happen because that first hour of the day is so important. And a big part of it to me is the, uh, those fish aren't able to see everything yet. And they're willing to go strike at that reaction style bait. And then later in the day, that's when I'm referring more to those really finesse techniques and having to work for them. Mm -hmm. Have you ever found like, downsizing your fluorocarbon leader on a drop shot gets more bites like going down to like a four or a five pound test man i i'll be honest i used to mess with that a lot and i still feel there's a place and it's not because i don't think the fish can see it i think it's more of the bait looks more natural with like a six pound or a five pound or a four pound leader um but i have I, I run my drag, unless I'm in an open water smallmouth situation, I run my drag a little tighter than I think most people do for drop shotting. And the reason being is a lot of the time we have all these desert bushes and trees yeah. that we're fishing. 
I want to get that fish out of that cover relatively quickly. My go-to almost all the time is I'm throwing eight pound almost everywhere. I mean, almost everywhere, unless I'm really need to get heavier and it's up shallow for largemouth cover shot kind of situation. Maybe I'll go up to 10, 12. Yeah. But the vast majority of the time I'm on eight pound and I probably should look more into that, but it just scares me because of how much cover in some of these, some of our lakes there is. And it's not like, don't let it scare you, bud. Yeah. Don't let it scare you. Don't um, let it scare you. I, I am right there with you with like winching down and giving them the beans. And this is where I think drop shot can get like Uber, like super specific, right? Like, you need the perfect rod with the perfect reel mm-hmm. with the perfect line to the perfect fluorocarbon, like Brady line to the per- like, and I'm saying perfect a lot. I can't stress it enough. I have found in 12 years of fishing, only two drop shot rods that I truly, truly like and can put my money behind. One was a 2006 gray blank Shimano Kumara. And okay. I still have it to this day because I tried that's awesome. 15 different drop shot rods and haven't found one close until I got the Alpha Angler spy bait rod in my hand. It is it literally I think. dead nuts, similar to the Kamara in action, okay. but three times as sensitive. Wow. Dude, and, and uh, now I have three of them. That is awesome. So because it can do everything. I can fish light on it. I can fish a light drop shot to like a three-eighth or a half ounce drop shot. I caught tube fish on it just messing around and swim bait fish. Wow. So I'm like, this rod is perfect for everything. But it's because I'm so obsessed with rod actions. Mm -hmm. And that's getting me back to the point of that I just told you, don't be afraid of it. I will flip like sparse grass with that same rod with six pound gamma edge leader and literally wow. reef on them with like a robo worm rebarber or an owner cover shot hook, Texas rig and get them out. Mm. If you have wow. a really good fluorocarbon that you can trust, you don't have to worry that much. Mm. And what knot are you tying from your braid to leader? Oh dude, just that standard Alberto knot. That's what I tie too. Yeah, I'm not an FG. So easy. It's my so hands, easy and so fast. My hands don't work good when I have four different like lines. I know. <laughs> I dude, I've I'm tried like, it. I'm glad we're on the same page yeah. here. I can't figure that thing out, dude. My goal for the off season this year was to learn two knots that I don't ever really tie. And that was the FG knot. And just honestly, a Snell knot, like a flipping knot. Yeah. I really don't like, I don't know if it's because I slack line maybe a little more, but I've had no issues punching on Rayburn, punching grass with just a heavy EWG and swinging on them and not needing a Snell hook to go through. But my team partner started doing it this year because he was losing fish and it started working for him. Now, did it matter for me? I don't know. I would throw some on the Snell. I would throw some on the regular heavier EWG flipping hook and I haven't had issues, but I learned how to tie that one. That one is way easier to learn to tie than the FG knot. The FG knot, I literally was like, nope, uh-uh. It's funny with the Snell knot. In the steelhead world, we call it an egg loop knot. Okay. And that in bass fishing, it's a Snell knot. So when That's I heard Snell knot, I'm like, 
what the heck is this snell knot? And then as soon as I saw like it, I'm like, oh, it's an egg loop knot. I can tie that blindfolded 19 times over. That's like, it's a pretty easy knot, man. It really like, is. You simple. like to, for the beginning listener who doesn't know, you literally just have your hook shank and the point is down. You come through the bottom, come up, make a loop, wrap it seven times, go back through the loop, look it down and pull it tight. Like it's yep. Easy as can be. FG knot, you need like 19 different hold angles, and like three <laughs> you know, miles puckering with your toe. Rod tip. Yeah. Like it's just, oh, yeah. Yeah, forget yeah. about it. Give me an Alberto, 10 down, 10 up with eight pound braid to six pound fluoro. And I'm. Um, that could be a huge go. factor there. Hold up. That's, that's sneaky right there. So, <laughs> what are you running on your braid size? What are you mo- are you running eight pound almost exclusively or what? So are, deep you- water smallmouth on braid is eight pound Daiwa J braid eight strand times is that eight. J braid sweet. Yeah. It's wicked. Second best I found is CR Smackdown. Like they're identical to me. They're very good for. It's a very subtle super manageable braid. It's not like rope. It's very subtle. It's manageable it's almost limp right it kind of reminds me slightly of nanofill but less ropey now if i'm largemouth fishing in grass i'll go to tech so eight to ten so still pretty light yeah i mean overall from the braid spinning rod braid spectrum so another great braid that i have recently been screwing with is the and i just ordered some on omnia today is the Berkeley X9, the nine, stuff as well. nine uh, strand braid. I've enjoyed that. It's been good. But I have been messing around with a little bit heavier braid leader lines. I've been going like more of a 10, 12, 15. And I don't know that I really notice a difference. I think I'd rather kind of, I'm starting to think through of working my way back down. The only time I like that heavier line, here's a question. This is more of a, a heavy cover situation, but do you throw a floating worm at all around the spawn? Like a, a um, what do you call it? Like a pink worm or a methylate, um, like flame orange. Um, I have messed around with it some. Mm-hmm. I've never found to catch more fish on those certain colors, like on a floating worm, as opposed to just like slinging a Senko. So I yep. just yep. go standard five inch okay. wacky dinger Senko, whatever the flavor is of the day. Start yeah. chucking that around. It catches just as many fish in the north as a trick worm, if not more, in my opinion. But yeah. Well, and I, and I think, so the only reason I'm, I'm like, I screwed around like 15 or 20 pound braid, like a, a darker color, uh, straight braid tying to, and that is literally from watching tournament fishing, watching Zach Burge do that in Florida of throwing it straight braid, no leader on a spinning rod, because it's hard to throw a dang zoom trick worm on a casting rod, weightless, throwing that thing up around heavy cover. And the, the only reason I like throwing a floating worm sometimes more than like a Sanko is I, can, I feel like I can cover water faster with it because I almost fish like a fluke. Like I'm just constantly jerking yeah. it, moving it around versus like a Senko. I'm normally fishing pretty slow. Um, but anyway, so I've been messing with these heavier braids. I don't think I have I, – I like more of that 8 to 10-pound range, especially um, in those deeper situations with drag set. Yeah. I'm going to – I'm going to blow your mind with something here, and you're not going to believe me until you try it. 
Okay. Go to that eight pound braid and yep. then put a floral carbon bumper. Like, you know, take your distance that your floating worm drops from your rod tip yep. where you want it to be castable. And okay. then take your fluorocarbon leader and go to like a 10 or 12 pound fluorocarbon leader on that eight pound braid. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to do is when you cast that fluorocarbon leader is going to be heavier than your braid. It's going to add weight to your floating worm. Fish now, faster. When you load and cast your rod, you're going to get further casting different because you have to think of it as like a fly fishing scenario. You're tapering your leader. So the end of your rod is basically going to be a sinking tip. So when you load that rod and launch it, your weight is going to punch forward and it's going to get you another 20, 30 feet of casting distance. Interesting. I like that. That's sneaky. Yeah. Just a little tip. You don't need a ton, a ton. It's just enough. Like we'll call it 15 to 20 inches, depending on where you like that worm when you cast. So you don't get it into your guide. You want it just at the end. Okay. And it's going to really help you like propel that bait forward. Yeah. Yeah. Pushing weight forward. Yeah. Awesome. Well, one, one other thing I wanted to bring up clear water, you brought up Sankos. I am a huge proponent of throwing a Senko in gin clear water. Um, it just gets bites. My colors that I'm going to go to, probably my number one and has been for a long time, When especially these Colorado River lakes, the Lake Mojave, uh, Lake Mead, Havasu, even Powell, those kinds of situations. I like a baby bass Yamamoto Senko. It's such a natural color to me. It's not the baby bass that's like in a Berkeley that's very green, which we've seen John Cox catch tons of fish on, but it's more of a really natural little specks in it. Could be a shad, could be a bluegill. Yeah, could I be love that bass. color. It's so good. That color is nasty to me. Really, when it comes to Senkos, I'm throwing three colors in clear water. It's going to be that, green pumpkin, and then some short, sort of very clear Sanko, I've been messing with in these last couple of years and have been getting bit. So like a Yamamoto natural shad or like literally a clear Sanko with back black pepper flake in it, mm. like almost just so natural and something like, like, I don't really know. And it works, man. I don't know okay. what it is about how stinking clear it is. Or as we'll get into black Senkos are just money as well. Yeah. So like for, I fish a Senko a ton, but I'd never really wacky rig it. In gin clear water, if I have to wacky rig a Senko, mm-hmm. the number one color I always use, and I don't know why, but I like brighter, louder colors, but I yeah, think they're natural, right? So watermelon magic red flake. Okay. Gin clear water. Yeah. And I am not a flake person at all. Like I want green pumpkin, with this little flake in it, yeah, I want black straight flake, black, yeah. like 99.9% of the time. But yeah. if I'm fishing a lake that is gin clear, it is sunny, there is no wind, not a single ripple or boat wake on the water, watermelon red, watermelon magic red flake just outfishes literally everything wow. for me. So for watermelon red. Red. It's watermelon so, magic with a red flake. So it's got like gold and silver flake with red. Wow. So it's pretty shiny. Yeah. But it's very translucent. I'm going to have to at try that. Time. I yeah. have not. Yeah. Because I've always been more on the natural train. But that is yeah. 
That's wild to me. Yeah. I'm going to do that shot. So, like, there's a couple lakes around here that I only throw watermelon red on. And then there was this day where it was gin clear, sunny, no wind. And I'm like, they won't eat the watermelon red yeah. for whatever reason. So I'm like, you know what? I got this stupid watermelon red magic in here because it's red with the watermelon, but it's a little bit more translucent with like silver and gold. And mm-hmm. I kid you not, I I was a co-angler and we fished the same stretch of docks like three times that day. That second time we went through. I caught fish. My angler, my pro, like the guy running the boat didn't catch a single one. I had like wow. 17 pounds. We oh went back gosh. through again. I caught like a five and upgraded like a two and a half I had. And he still hadn't had a bite. And I ran out and I went right back to the watermelon red. Never got another bite. The shine, something with that flake. That's and then as wild. soon as like I run in that situation, when it's slick, calm, like I'm reiterating it here, slick calm, bright blue, high pressure, no wind whatsoever. They will just decimate that watermelon red flake magic. Wow. Just, and they won't eat anything else. Dude, that's wild to me. And it might be just confidence deal, but that color, it's hard to find it. There's only a couple is shops it, that sell it. Is it a Yamamoto color? Is it, it a Yamamoto color? Okay. It's the Yamamoto color. So they have, Green pumpkin magic, green pumpkin. I don't even know if they do the green pumpkin red magic, but then they have a watermelon magic and a watermelon magic red flake. Wow. Dude, that's a juice color. I just on Omnia. Dang. Yeah. I don't know if they have it at Omnia or not. It's hard to find it. Yeah, well, we're going to have to get them to have that. That's wild. It used to be, so the story on it, it used to be a Dick's only color. When the Licks had, like, select colors. Yeah, had the select colors with the Yeah, so, like, remember that. you can buy it direct, I think, on the Yamamoto website, but now that they're owned by somebody else, I don't even know if they're really carrying it. Mm-hmm. So I'm down to, like, three packs. I got to go buy some more. Yeah, you better go find some on yeah. eBay or something, too. Dang. So. That's sneaky. Yeah, man. I mean, but that's a, a Sanko's just a natural great presentation in a clear water situation. I think the biggest thing, long cast. I mean, a Ned rig is fantastic. Another Yamamoto bait, big in like Havasu, kind of this sneaky Western stuff. Um, a fat Ica Yamamoto bait. I use those. I understand it. Okay, I good. use those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can cast it just like if you're just bombing a Sanko with a Do you rig bait. it forward or backwards? That is the question. So I tentacles on the on where you tied the hook, like the high of the hook, or tentacles down. That's tentacles down, line. and it's goofy as all get out. I Rick don't go backwards. Yeah, put the tentacles on top by the hook eye. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, oh, I'm got saying it. Okay, so thought... not like a tube jig, not yeah. like where it's like okay. that. It's the other way. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way, and it's goofy. I don't understand it. And you stick, and it's the same thing. You stick like a nail weight in the back of that thing, and you can just like, pew, out in the middle of a cove, and you're yeah. in like 30 feet of water. And it's like there it goes swimming off, Damn. <laughs> and it's like four and a half pound smallmouth. Yeah, I would. I used to skip that bait almost exclusively on docks. That's same thing. Stick a little nail weight in the back, and you could get it on bait caster because it weighs so much. So you can skip it's it with so like dense plastic, fifteen pound test on like a seven three medium heavy. You uh-huh. just freaking hit them with everything you have with a well, five out because you need a massive hook to go in it. 
Yeah. Because they're so wide. They are so wide. They're such a thick bait. Oh, man. Oh. But yeah, I think that's how- what I love about Yamamoto plastics is it's just so heavy. Yeah. Man. Like, it's just heavy and thick, and uh, they fall apart. Don't get me wrong. You got to buy a lot of them uh, to go through fish, but, like, something about that thickness, too. I mean, you can absolutely, when it's, like, even in a shallow water situation where – you need to winch a fish out of stuff. You can throw a weightless Senko on a medium, medium heavy rod with 20 pounds and absolutely crack them. Cause, but you can still throw that thing on 20 pounds, like very far, very efficiently. Even a five inch Senko, six inch Senko is also sweet. Seven inch Senko is also sweet. But anyways, like you can whip a Senko on a casting rod pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I won't disagree there. Cause I almost only throw them on caster rods. So, um, there's just something about it because the stupid part about a Senko, and you shouldn't even say stupid, the incredible part about a Senko is it gets not just a ton of bites, but it catches the dang biggest fish in the lake. (laughs) There's a guy, and I don't know, it's not Russell Caesar. So you have a guy too that just whips Senkos around every derby and cracks them. Dude, oh well, locally, absolutely. But yeah. like, I'm talking, I'm talking, uh, Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit because I watch all live fishing, right? Like, yeah, Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit's on, NPFL's on, Bassmaster Live's on. Like, I'm watching it. There's a guy. He wears like a Def Leppard. It's got an American flag, like wrapped boat in the Tackle. Dude, any grass fishery whatsoever. So they were just on, I think Pickwick, or no, they're on Gunnersville. Okay. Like any fishery that has grass, which the Tackle Warehouse Pro Circuit this year, this season is very grass heavy. He is throwing. I mean, I kid you not. Harris Chain, uh, Potomac, anywhere where this guy, and he like top tens consistently on this, throws one bait. And it is a six inch Sanko. It's a big stinking Sanko, either weightless on a, on a Texas rig or with like a one thirty second ounce nail weight. And he is just dragging it so slow through this grass. There it is. Grass, and it's like a seven pounder every time, dude. And it is just, it blows me away because he's got it dialed. You know, yeah. it's just one of those, he just doesn't change. He, he's uh, out there singing, pour some sugar on me while hooking James <laughs> on the thing. Yes. <laughs> I think it was when they were talking about it. JT Kenny on live was talking about his boat rap and they were like, I don't know. I think this guy owns his own business. And then like, he was like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do rap wise. And it's literally a death leopard rap. And I love it. It's incredible. And that's the best part about the sport, right? Is there are so many different characters in our sport oh. and we all have one common bond bass fishing. Dude. It's so cool. It is so cool. Oh man. I love it so much. Yeah. Incredible. So like, what do you say here? One last spring bait we want to mention? Mm, let's think. Um, spring bait. Or from, just clear water bait in yeah, general. Yeah. Clear water bait. I'm trying to think of like some. We've already gone through our kind of finesse. So I'm going to tie two into one here. Let's hear and it. And I'm, I'm curious if you agree. Yep. So they're, they're similar style bait. But they have two different purposes. You saw Zell Dane crush them on it a couple of years ago in Oklahoma, which is going to be like the Okashira screw head mm-hmm. with like uh, like 
the cast prodigy on it's actually caught me some fish this year or spark shed is what it was designed for incredible so mm-hmm. it's emitting all that flash and that clear water and it's vibrating but it's super finessey or just mm-hmm. your standard 80 size spy bait like they just catch so many fish so many fish dude and and we even can get into uh like along those lines like you're talking hair jigs man yeah. super clear water nasty nasty yeah. debate shame on me for not mentioning it i've never caught a fish on a hair jig there you go That's so like, it's not a top bait for me i've tried them i can't figure out how the heck to cast them like and that's where it's i learned real, how like feels so goofy to me it looks so dumb and i don't know why they eat it but they do let me just slow roll this bait that i can only cast like <laughs> you can't 40 feel it feet. it's not like a spinner bait it's not like you just you're just reeling in a crappie jig and you're like yeah this is dumb. And also on a six pound small, he just eats it for no reason. Yeah, dude, I don't I don't get it. I do not get it. Another thing with the oh uh the mega bass spin head deal, whatever it is called. Why okay. do they not make it why do they not make it in anything but an eighth? Why don't they go heavier with that? I'm assuming it has something to do with like body roll, okay, etc. But boy, what a Pain in the freaking butt that thing is the case. I hate eighth. I used to be a huge eighth. Okay, hold up. Just thought of this. Just along the same lines, two into one. We'll go three into one. Another incredible clear water bait that I have stepped away from, but I'm thinking back like Banjo Minnow. I have one. Nope. <laughs> how much money I have won <laughs> on a stupid grub in clear water? Yeah. Is insane. Swimming it just like a single swimmer. The same thing as like a 2.8 or a 3.8 inch Kitech or 3.3 inch Kitech. I just slow rolling it, a stupid grub. And I used to throw that thing on an eighth ounce head exclusively. So it would just be sneaky and finesse. But like it was probably like a Mr. That. Twister grub, like green package, slimy <laughs> as all can be when you pull it oh, out. And you're like, this thing is so dumb. <laughs> Honestly, actually, do you know what it what it comes down to for me? Is uh uh the yum? It's man, dude, wow, we're really going clear water makes sense, right? Yamamoto, like West Texas, clear water fisheries. When we're talking to the bottom of the Carter River chain, that's where like the Sanko, all this stuff started coming out. But like Yamamoto grub, man, that's yeah. what it that's what it is for me. It's just such a I don't know something so finesse about it. The only grub that I have ever used or caught giant fish on is the Kalen's five inch lunker. Kale, grub. Yeah, dude. The, the big, so what the, do you do with that? You just put on a big jig head? Three eighth ounce jig head and do the sang dang thing, just crawling it over rocks. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> and Somalis used, like, I probably haven't thrown it in like 10 years, but literally, like, that was like my childhood. We would big go games. out and cast Kalen's grub from the bank and just count rocks and crush them. Dude, I think about that too, like walleye fishing growing up from the bank. Like same thing, throwing like a four inch grub and just just enough to be ticking the bottom. And yep. guess what? Sure enough, we'd catch a big smallmouth doing it too. Yeah, it's it's so dumb. Like, and it comes back to we always overthink the simplest minded beings in the world. And that's a fish, especially a bass. They have two things that they want to do in life. They want to mate and procreate to expand the species yep. and to eat. 
That's it. Wouldn't life be simpler if that's the only two things we had to do? <laughs> Uh, yeah it's um it's it's surreal to think about so yeah but man that went on a lot of tangents but like absolutely clear water stuff i think the biggest takeaway really finesse them don't be afraid of vibrant colors. You can go through a shark cheese spinnerbait and absolutely maul smallmouth. Or go really big. Mm-hmm. Or go really big. And it's so much fun because you can see them. One last thing I guess I'll, I'll give away here. Love it. Pre-fishing, practicing for a tournament. Clearwater fishing, if it's around the spawn, post or pre, they're up on the bank. They're up shallow. You don't need to fish for them. Mm-mm. You can go through an area high on the trolling motor. And when you can see 20 feet down, even if you can only see 10 feet down, you can you, see them. You can find them. And then you have to learn how to catch them. But you don't need to worry about sticking them in practice. Go just look for them. Yeah, that's probably the hardest thing to do is learning how to catch fish. And not just highly pressured clear water, but just clear water in general. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I think it comes back to low light, man. Low light, boat positioning. and Long casts. Long casts and proper, proper presentation. Yep. Big part of it. An honorable mention real fast before we like add. Baby jig. Let's talk about money in clear water. Peanut butter and jelly. KJ or a queen jig, like bam. peanut jig, yep, fantastic. Or jerkbait, even jerkbait's oh, like dude, in the summertime. I had that on my list, yeah. And like, we could go on about this for like two hours. Maybe we Jerk need to have like a clear water episode version two and include Bailey on it because I'm sure he'll yeah. have some, have some insight, own individual in, in, yeah, insight because that kid can just catch fish in a freaking trickle of a puddle, not even a full puddle, Bass but a trickle. Tub. Yeah, well, bathtub's bigger than a puddle, so he can probably catch him there. (laughs) He can catch him in the shower drain, like a stand-up shower drain, where it's just really small. Yeah, it's just a trickle. (laughs) Bait's bigger than the water. So, well, man, that was fun. I I appreciate you um, coming up with this idea for this show. Uh, Yeah, it is complete to you on this one. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed it. And just real quick, if you haven't already, this is for our listeners at home. If you haven't already, please uh, give us a like button, thumbs up, subscribe, comment. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. Mm-hmm. And if you're um, new to the show and you ever have any questions or anything, don't be afraid to reach out. We're here for you guys. So um, we, as always, we appreciate everybody who tunes in. You guys and gals are awesome. So, but uh, for now, I guess we will see uh, what on Monday for business from the Bass Bar, right? What is what episodes coming out Monday, Adam? Since we have you here, Monday, man, we've got you coming oh, on. Of oh, all people, you got you <laughs> and your full full fishing guide service. Scary man, about <laughs> your first year on the guide biz, quitting awesome. the, quitting the corporate life, going to the 
a year in and uh, talking about your stories there. So that's what we're going into. I feel bad for all the folks at home. That's five straight episodes. If you include next week of me, like that's scary. Been just going, man. Let's go. <laughs> let's, let's find let's, it. Let's keep going. So, well, for now, everybody enjoy your day and uh, we'll see you next time here on the serious angler network. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.